That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Jake, here we are. We're back recording. Uh, not back, you know, it seems like it was just last week for our listeners because it was. But for you and me, we've not recorded together for a long time. You've gotten a lot of stamps in your passport since then. Mm. Where in like the world to, has Jacob Smith been? Where, where yeah. have you been? Why don't you tell our listeners where you went? So, well, you know, in June, I uh, walked the Camino de Santiago from, I did the entire Primitivo, which was 199 miles, but we rounded up. And then I uh, went from there. We did a little family trip to Mexico, and uh, many of you heard us, uh, the Mexico City edition. And then um, I took a a handful of folks with me to uh, see the Oberammergau Spiel, which is the uh, passion plays that take place once every 10 years in Bavaria. And uh, along with that, we went to... um, we did what's called the Luther Trail. And so we were there um, at the hottest time in like the history of that area ever. I mean, it was like 100 degrees in Innsbruck. Um, I thought it was going to melt. and um, But saw the sights of Luther and had our uh, faith inspired and uh, were reminded that uh, we stand on the shoulder of giants. And uh, I'd like to give a shout out to people that stood on those shoulders with me who are regular same old song listeners, uh, Brad and Gwen Martin of Greenville, South Carolina. And so uh, they tune in regularly and uh, joined us for that remarkable, remarkable trip. Brad and Gwen, I've never met you. But I hear you're very special people. And Jake, haven't you and I been to, was it Greenville for David Browder's wedding? Uh, I thought that was Orangeburg. Oh. Well, we've been in your state, and we found it beautiful. And <laughs> yeah, I have, I have family who live in South Carolina. My mom, my sister, my brother-in-law. Uh, anyways, oh. yeah, thanks to you and all our listeners who uh, are there. And um, as we're recording this, I'm also aware that we had some technical difficulties last week and that our episode didn't drop soon enough, and we're grateful for your patience. And TJ Hester has been appropriately flogged. Uh, and uh, and publicly shamed now on this podcast. So no, we're grateful for you, TJ, and thanks to all the listeners for your for your patience. Um, well, I, since we're giving shout-outs, I'll give a shout-out not only to TJ but also to uh, Sarah Condon. Uh, I'm just grateful for her this week. This is has nothing to do with same old song, but we just dropped our daughter off at college, and Sarah is the campus missioner. That's her day job, not when she's not podcasting or speaking for Mockingbird, and she's. Um, uh, gonna have, have spiritual authority over my child, and and I'm grateful. That's wonderful. Sarah's, Sarah's amazing. So yeah, go uh, go Al's at Rice University, and Amen. Uh, say a little prayer for Sarah. All right, so I guess we should jump into these texts. Yeah, unless you well, want to say you have something are, wise or funny no. you want to say. 
No, I just think people are probably, uh, they're stressing out and want to hear what we have to say on the gospel, on these readings, and they're tired of the shout outs. So, uh, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> let's jump into it. We have some exciting texts for everybody today. We have Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 through 20. Then we're taking a look at old Philemon, uh, the entire uh, letter to Philemon, who was a person, uh, uh, verses 1 through 21. So that's the whole chapter. And then we take a look at the... Um, a difficult saying of Jesus in Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 33. And uh, we're going to unpack that for you to help you out in your preaching this week or just in your devotional life. But let's jump in. Deuteronomy chapter 30. It's the, it's uh, the versus... Che Guevara Jesus uh, passage. We'll get to <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. We'll that's right. It. So, But uh, we see uh, here the people of Israel have been wandering in the wilderness uh, for about 40 years, and they're on the edge of the promised land. And uh, Moses uh, delivers to them a command, uh, well, the Lord's command to them. And um, it's basically at face value, see, I've set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, then I'm commanding you today by loving the Lord, etc., etc., doing all these things. If you do all of this, then, then you shall uh, live long in the land and prosper. Uh, what's going on here, Aaron? This sounds like an awfully, um, well, a choosy kind of passage. Uh, and yeah, it is a choosy kind of. I want to back up though. <laughs> I just love that you said Philemon, who was a person. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess so. That I was thinking. I wonder what Jake was thinking about that. But maybe because people think you know a lot of Paul's letters are named for cities. Anyway, Philemon. Yeah, a person. yeah. All right. Well, that's so, exactly what I was thinking in the moment. And you, Jake, and you some, too are. Some people a may have not. Some people may not have thought he was a person, you know. I know. Some sort some, of like, you, you know, know, the church, the church in Philemon. Uh, yeah. yeah. So the back to this Deuteronomy passage, the the image in my head, this is a uh, remember from the Matrix where Neo is meeting, is it Mobius, played by Lawrence Fishburne, mm-hmm. who yeah. holds out the blue pill and the red pill and says, "Which do you want?" You know, choose. Boy, which how one. many how many youth ministries showed that video? I know. Of, you know. Right before uh, before the big ask. <laughs> Which pill? The Jesus pill? I wonder which color Jesus was. Anyways, so the, yeah, there's, which do you want, death or life? This is like the Eddie Izzard, the comedian who does the, this, his sort of uh, bit on the Church of England. It's like, do you want tea? Like the, the Roman church was much more strong with the Inquisition. It's like, do you love the church or do you want to die? And, you know, church or death? And the Church of England was more like tea and cake or death? Like it was much easier choice. Um, or anyways, I, or I'm a sinner, and the priest goes, mm, "So am I." <laughs> uh, yeah. So seems like the thing about this passage, this is the Old Testament, and this is an understanding of um, the human relationship with the divine, where. Um, it is sort of an, uh, an understanding that comes prior to what we now see in Jesus Christ. However, this is still how a lot of Christians operate, pastors and lay people, where it's primarily about obedience and behavior. And we have a very high anthropology because we haven't read David Zoll's book. And we all, um, we think that our job as Christians is to follow the rules. And, and 
this is what sometimes how parents talk to their children. It's somehow pastors talk to their congregations. Here's the good thing. Do it. There's the bad thing. Don't do it. And if you choose the good thing, everything will go right. And if you choose the bad thing, everything will go wrong. So pretty rational decision. Just do the right thing. And uh, again, the problem that you and I know, uh, Jake and listeners, is that the problem is people don't do this. This is not how people work. This assumes that people are rational. This assumes that people are free. It assumes that people make good choices. It assumes that people um, impacted by original sin, and they absolutely are. So um, this word is true. It is true that if you worship other gods, as yeah. the passage talks about, you will perish. If you worship anything other than God, it will consume you and ultimately kill you, if not physically, certainly spiritually, emotionally, mentally. Um and uh, but human beings are not free, at least as we understand the scripture. And of course, the Old Testament doesn't. This is one tiny passage. There's lots of parts of the Old Testament that affirm the, I think, totally true and biblical understanding of human beings as being kind of incurved in ourselves and and flawed and broken. Uh, mm-hmm. As Jeremiah says, the human heart is deceitful above all things, and Jesus affirms this and says, "Out of the heart of a man comes all the bad stuff." So. But this one passage does show what people often think is true about human beings and their relationship with God, that you just got to choose to do the right thing. It's like that old that uh, YouTube video well, where they gave kids, like, a marshmallow, and they said, if you wait for five minutes, we'll come back in. If you don't eat the marshmallow, wait five minutes, we'll come back in, and we'll, we'll give you a bunch, bunch of marshmallows. And, and then they leave the room, and they see what the kid does, and the kid always, like, shoves the marshmallow in her face, and... Uh, because we yeah. we are not rational beings when it comes to moral choices. The heart wants what the heart wants, as Ariana Grande said. My favorite is watching that kid just for like 15 minutes lick <laughs> the marshmallow. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, and I, I do think it's important to say, though, that this is a one way of relating to God. This is the way religion tells you to relate to God. And, uh, you know, choose life, choose prosperity, choose, you know, this so that you may live. That is a valid way of relating to God. Uh, The problem is, is that uh, it always ends in death. And and, uh, ultimately, as you see, and, you know, and this is how you know you're in the land of the law, if then, if you do this, then you will be saved. If you do this, then you will die. Um, However, uh, this is why we need a better word than Moses. And if you preach on this text, you need to preach on the God who's chosen you in Jesus Christ. And uh, this is where the gospel becomes relevant. Because God in his son Jesus has chosen you, therefore, uh, you can love God with all of your heart. Uh, Therefore, you will choose life. Therefore, you will uh, uh, enter into the land because Jesus has chosen you. Therefore, you shall enter into the land that God has swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a land, a heavenly land that is uh, uh, in the age that is to come. And um, I was thinking about this in light of uh, that guy, Frederick Buchner, who just died um, two days ago um, on the recording of this podcast. And uh, I love this quote, and Mockingbird put it up on its Instagram, and I've been like pondering it. But he says, the final secret, I think, is this, that the words you shall love the Lord your God become in the end less a command than a promise. 
And really, when seen through the lens of Jesus, uh, uh, that Jesus has chosen you <laughs> for life and for prosperity over and above death and adversity, uh, we can begin to see that this is a promise um, in the gospel that's ultimately given to you. Uh, and that gift comes in the form of a new heart, a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone. That's beautiful. And I do think, you know, because when we talk about this, you know, you and I, <laughs> it's good mockingbird people, we tend to kind of poop on passages like this. And 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 rightfully so mm. in that the whole like if this if this just choose life and not death thing worked, if this lecture worked, the Bible would end on Deuteronomy 30, but it doesn't. Uh, yeah. the entire history of Israel, everything that comes after this is a story of one long roller coaster ride to failure. They go up, up, up a little bit, but then they crash really hard, and they do it over and over again, and they always worship the other gods, and they get exiled, and they have a civil war, and their leadership falls apart, and it's a complete disaster. And that's why we need Jesus. And so we do believe that God writes the law on our hearts, as the Old Testament promises, and there, God, Jesus says, I'll send the Holy Spirit to guide you into all truth and righteousness, and to remind you of the things I taught you, all those things. And we get this righteousness given to us as a gift outside ourselves. So... Uh, Jake and I are not weak on the law or weak on sanctification. We just um, know that humans can't do it on their own, and just telling people to do it is not going to make them do it. Um, and you know, humans are—we're so, so weak, we're so fickle. You know, we we can decide to have a salad for lunch, but by the end of the day, we've run out of willpower. Like those, that fuel tank is dry, and so you know, there goes half a gallon of ice cream. So. Uh, yeah, don't don't rely on people's will to get better, or their or don't believe in their ability to choose. It's it's really. Um, you have to rely. I mean, we rest in we don't really, we rest right. in Jesus, and you know it's interesting because from thirty on to thirty four is a speech basically of Moses laying this all out. Um, and Deuteronomy ends Deuteronomy chapter thirty four, and in the context of the uh, of the uh, tor of the Torah, uh, not the Torah but the um, Tanakh. Um, Joshua is the next book, and Joshua in the Hebrew is Yeshua. Moses can't get them into the Holy Land. Uh, Yeshua does. Um, and this is one of the themes in Matthew's Gospel, actually, side thing, is that um, uh, Matthew's Gospel is to function as uh, the next is Deuteronomy 35, the next part of the story, or the new Yeshua chapter 1. Here's the one who's not only going to get you into simply the promised land that's a type and a shadow, but the promised land, which is the age that yeah, is and, to come. Yeah, uh, and that's great. And Jesus, and so, is, Jesus was never called Jesus by his friends. He was called Yeshua. Like, that was his name. And in, there's no yeah, difference. Joshua. Mm -hmm. uh, between those I will say also, for those who don't know the Tanakh, that's a reference to kind of the Old Testament. It's the it's T-N-K. It's the Torah the Nevi'im, which is the prophets, and the Ketuvim, which is the writings. So it's the it's mm -hmm. basically mm -hmm. the the first five books, the Torah, the Law. Then it's the prophets, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Minor Prophets, and then the writings, Psalms, Proverbs, and stuff like that. So that's mm -hmm. what that's what you meant, and uh, and I know you knew that, but some, yeah. but maybe two of our listeners didn't. So just wanted to clue them in as well. Yeah. So, but we come to, to, to Philemon. Also, I wanted to prove that I went to seminary and that I remember something that I learned. I loved it. Something. I, I, I was really impressed. Ooh. So, um, but uh, uh, we come to this uh, amazing letter, uh, Philemon, which uh, throughout history has been used and abused. Um, but uh, basically, uh, what's essentially what's going on here is, is, is that Paul, uh, there's this... Um, 
uh, Philemon has a, a slave named Onesimus, and Onesimus took off, and Onesimus became a Christian. And uh, uh, Paul is telling him, hey, you got to go back. And, uh, and uh, Philemon uh, set him free. Free, free, mm. set him free. I love that uh, Paul, you know, who sang that sting? Um, That's right. Uh, I, and I love that Paul does not skirt the law at, at all. Paul doesn't like, Paul actually um, is connected here in this Luke, lest you hate father, mother, wife, and children, brother and sister, yes, even life yourself, you cannot be my disciple. And this actually is a living illustration of what Jesus is about that we're going to talk about in the gospel. He's saying, man, Philemon, you have rights. Uh, but rights, when we start talking about rights, it's like, as Fitzsimmons Allison used to say, it's like two whores talking about their virginity in church. You know what I mean? We're talking about something different Spicy here. Spicy episode. And so, um, I love it. That's such a great <laughs> quote. Um, such a great quote. But anyway, uh, 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 Paul is challenging Philemon here, actually, to relate to Onesimus, not as the world would have him relate to him, but in a new way, as a brother and a sister in Christ, as a as one who's been bought by the precious blood of Jesus. So, and yeah, I, that's great, Jake. This passage, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of cool stuff in the text itself. So, Paul and Timothy are writing to, and what's interesting about Philemon, here he is, a guy who has a uh, house church. He has a church that meets in his home. As he says, um, Philemon has no chapters. The whole book is one chapter. So when you have this read in church on Sunday, everybody who goes to church on Sunday at your church has read a whole book of the Bible that day. Um, so you can give them a gold star for that. Uh, he's writing to these folks because Onesimus, whose name in Greek means useful, and so that's important to know because mm-hmm. uh, Paul in the letter is making a bit of a pun, playing with language. He says, formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful both to you and me. So, and that Onesimus is the same word there. The other really cool thing to know about this story is that we do get a kind of Paul Harvey rest of the story moment in that we, so in this book, uh, in Philemon, it says, um, we, we learn about Philemon, we learn about uh, Onesimus, and then when we get to Colossians 4, at the end of the book, when Paul is talking about, kind of giving his closing instructions in, in that letter, um, he's sending a letter with Tychicus, and he says, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me, he says, blah, 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 I'm sending him to you, He'll, and he is coming, this is Colossians 4, verse 9, he's coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. So, it sounds like Onesimus has been welcomed back and has been set free by Philemon, the one who owned him as a slave. And this is a picture of grace. So, if you read, again, backing up, Philemon is a letter that Paul has written to his friend Philemon whose slave, enslaved person, Onesimus, has run away. We don't know why. We only have one half of the conversation, which is this letter. And Paul is basically saying, Onesimus, I'm sending you back to face the music. You have done wrong. And, you know, if it, as Jake said, if it's about rights, you should go back to work for him and probably be punished. But, um, but I implore you on the basis of love, Philemon, to set him free, to... To, and it seems like Philemon has done that, forgiving him and setting him free so that then he becomes a leader in the church and showing that, you know, the 
the the economic um, and class differences that divided them, and likely ethnic as well, have now been removed in Christ. And the reason, Jake, you said this is misused, is this sometimes has been a little like, see, slavery exists in the New Testament, and Paul says he should go back to him. Um, and there's a big conversation there to talk about how slavery in the first century was, was, was terrible, but also very, very different from chattel slavery in the American South, and just want to say that owning people as livestock and seeing them as inhuman, which is the perspective that was needed to own people as livestock in the American <clears throat> South and other places where this kind of slavery was practiced, is not the same thing as first century slavery in uh, the Roman Empire, where people often voluntarily entered into slavery as a way to pay off a debt and then would leave it after a certain period of time. And again, not, not it's terrible in every way, but this is a different kind of slavery. And it wasn't, well, and by the way, in the first century, it was never also, based on your ethnicity. Um, and in, in, in the American yeah, South, there was. This is, and this is also another, a beautiful picture of the distinction between the law and the gospel as well. You know, uh, Philemon, it's all summed up here. Both Roman law and Mosaic law um, uh, gave Philemon the right to actually punish Onesimus if he came back. However, what Paul is appealing to is a new covenant once again, uh, where uh, uh, by the shed blood of Jesus, uh, Philemon and Onesimus are now brothers. Uh, this is an illustration of how the gospel, uh, the fact that God has come to you and forgiven you and made a new covenant with you, changes absolutely, positively everything. And so, um, uh, and I mean, and Paul's repayment of all of Onesimus' debts, I mean, that's another parallel to how Christ pays mm. for our debts, you know, by his shed blood and changes everything. And it's very interesting if you look at like the hagiographies of these different people, Onesimus eventually becomes, the story goes, uh, uh, he eventually became uh, the Bishop of Ephesus following Timothy and, um, and was eventually either martyred by stoning or beheading uh, by um, Dominician, Emperor Dominician in the 80s. Uh, and so, but um, uh, it's a very powerful story about how when we relate to each other, not by the law, but through the gospel and God's grace, for mercy and forgiveness, um, it has the power to really change our lives and uh, make us brothers and sisters. And really, if you want to touch on this before you jump into the gospel, I think this is a great lens by which to interpret the gospel. Exactly. And you also get a good sense of what does a righteous deed look like by somebody who's under the gospel, under the grace of God. Because Paul says to Philemon, um, you know, I want you to set him free because he's our Christian brother now, and he's uh, he's my own heart. He's been helpful to me as I've been in prison, likely, you know, maybe running errands for Paul or helping him write letters, who knows. But he says, but I'm sending him back to you, and I and I, I want your good deed, meaning you're setting him free. I could have kept him here with me in my imprisonment, but I'm sending him back to you because I want you to do this, he says, voluntarily, and I don't want it to be something forced, which is, which is a fruit of a the fruit. gospel. You don't do the good thing against you like oh, i don't want to go to church but i guess i'll go like that's not i mean you might end up hearing a nice hymn or something uh or see an old friend in the pew next to you but that's not that's not a fruit of the gospel that's forced begrudging labor this work and this and as opposed to fruit so it's a nice picture of that it's a beautiful thing this the you know the background story jake as you said that anisimus becomes his bishop it's it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing 
So if, you, if anybody preaches yeah. on that, so let us we'll, know, because that is a lot to unpack in this short letter. Uh, but mm-hmm. hey, if, if anybody can do it, our, our listeners can. Well, now we come to this passage where, I mean, and this is, uh, you know, you just really want to you know, say, what, Jesus? Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. And then here's the zinger. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Um, uh, this is um, this is a this is a hard saying. Uh, and what in the world is going on here, Aaron? Well, Jesus is trying to let people know that following him means death, and he is mm. he's not burying it in the <laughs> yeah. Merry he's Christmas. not burying it in the fine print. Uh, it's not in the end user license agreement that nobody actually reads. We just scroll through the end and click agree, um, just to, so that we can activate our iPhone. It is. Um, he puts it right up there. He's like, let me be real clear. Just like you wouldn't build a tower or go to battle without really considering if you have enough bricks and mortar or enough troops, um, don't sign up for Team Jesus unless you've really thought through what this means. And it is really hard. It demands everything. It will cut off your relationships with your family. You will die because that's what it means to pick up a cross. It, if we were to translate this into common vernacular today, it'd be like, whoever does not put his neck in the noose or whoever does not sit herself down in the electric chair cannot be my disciple. Cross had only one meaning in yeah. the Roman world, and that meant execution and death um, at the hands of the state. So, yeah. I think I think that's an important thing just just... I mean, the I, this nonsense, because there'll be a lot of folks that are going to be preaching, choose the cross. And, um, and uh, let me just tell you, um, the cross is not something you ever choose. Uh, the cross, and especially what Jesus, I mean, is describing here, is, is that's something that's mm. flung on you. Uh, you know what I mean? That is that is a that is that is the burden that on, oftentimes comes from um, from uh, you know loving uh, things more right. than Jesus. Uh, they become idols and uh, they become instruments of our own death. And that, yes, um, you know, we were talking about that uh, earlier. Paul's also, you know, family is actually not everything on one level. And, uh, you know, you hear that family's everything. Family's everything. No. Um, uh, Jesus is everything. And actually, when we try and uh, uh, love mother and father, brother and sister, even life itself, um, apart from the wounded hands of Jesus, we turn them into idols and we turn them into our own instruments of death. Uh, you can love someone literally to death and it's an unhealthy it's form of love. It's called codependency and I encourage you to go, let, <laughs> you know? go to Al-Anon. Yeah, that's right. Um, the, uh, I mean, it, this is one of those things where I, I love being in the Episcopal Church for many reasons, but one, it's because they have the lectionary, which doesn't always get it right, but I love that they force us to read passages like this because this is one of the ones where if you weren't in a lectionary-based church and you were doing a preaching series, you might never pick this passage because it is really hard. At the end, this is why I said it's the Che Guevara passage, sort of a famous uh, communist leader in Latin America. Um, Jesus says, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. What an un-American thing to say. So uh, this is hard teaching because he says you got to hate your mother and father. Uh, You're going to die. Pick up your cross. Really think this through. What he's getting at here, um, and he's saying things in a hyperbolic, meaning exaggerated way to drive home a point. And I'm not trying to diminish the shock value of what he's saying, um, but but I do have to point out that Jesus loved his mom. Uh, clearly, because when he's dying, and um, Joseph too, I presume, at the end of Jesus' life, he looks down on the cross and arranges for her uh, 
you know, her, her, um, assisted living facility. He's like, John, take care of my mom. Uh, and, um, so Jesus cares for his family. He cares for everybody. So, um, what, again, like Jake, what you're saying, what we said, Paul's all said is this passage basically means that your, your identity is not based in your family. And he's saying in very kind of stark, wake you up, cup of coffee in the morning, kind of strong first century rabbi language. Um, your family doesn't define you. Um, your life and what you think your life is about doesn't define you. Uh, and your possessions, they don't define you. The fact that you are embracing hashtag van life and you sold everything and now you have a nice Mercedes van and you travel around the country and you drink your kombucha smoothie every morning, that does not define you. Uh, all these things, basically everything that is advertised on your social media feed for you to buy to stake out your identity in the world, none of that matters and does not define you. That's what he's trying to say. Yeah. The other thing I would say is that you could try to follow this perfectly, you know, cut off your relationship with your family, uh, despise your own life, um, live like Forrest Gump in the running section of the movie, just running like a haggard kind of St. John the Baptist kind of person, and you still would not have enough righteousness for Jesus. And so the thing that this passage does, which is the same thing mm. that Sermon on the Mount does, it shows us... And the, the same thing Deuteronomy 30 does. Right, it shows <laughs> us the high demand of the law, which Jesus Christ is about to go fulfill. Because right before this, I think it was either Luke 12 or 13, Jesus, he's on his way to Jerusalem, and he's like, I long Jerusalem to gather you like a hen, but you wouldn't listen, but I'm going to, but I'm going to die. And so he is, you know, even if we don't, are not able to pick up our own cross, he will pick up his. Even if we can't give up all our possessions, he will because he will be naked on that cross, stripped of even his underwear, and um, that the soldiers are gambling for. So we are. Um, he will fulfill all yeah. this righteousness for yeah. us. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. He is the king who actually has counted the cost, and uh, he has, in his grace and mercy, found you totally worth it. And uh, he has um, given up absolutely, positively everything all of his glory, all of his majesty, um, uh, all of his possessions in order to clothe you in his righteousness. And uh, really, that is uh, what this passage is about. And when you realize that uh, you may have dropped your cross and like, hell no, um, uh, he took it up for you. And that becomes the enabling word. And then even with relationships, you know, we begin to realize that what Jesus means when he says that uh, we must hate all of these things, all of this stuff, is that uh, the only way we can have and hold those whom we love forever is to, to hold them in the wounded hand of Jesus. Uh, but going back to Philemon, ultimately our blood relationships must be first blood relationships in Christ. And so um, purchased and won by the blood that redeems the world from sin and death. And um, and uh, that is really uh, at the heartbeat of this whole thing yeah. to unpack uh, the riches and, that are you found know, to here. To try to make this real for your congregation too, I think it's worth talking about all the things that the world says will give life but don't. And I think you can name the exhaustion that most people feel about looking like mm -hmm. they have it together. Oh, and yeah. if you name that and say Jesus is actually doing this great merciful work in freeing you from those things... Um, he frees you to have relationships with people you used to look down upon, like Philemon did with Onesimus. He frees you to not be um, tangled up with what you own. He frees you um, to be a, a, a happy child of God as opposed to a miserable little 
deity at the center of your own little miserable Righteous kingdom. A-hole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so get specific and concrete with some of those illustrations uh, about uh, the mercy that we get in being freed from those um, really futile mm-hmm. projects and and brought into the 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 beloved light of the gospel. So, I think that'll do it. Well, praise the Lord. That Woo! is a good man. That's a we did it. Welcome <laughs> we back. We did it. So, all right. Well, uh, until next week, uh, rest and relax in the gospel. Uh, give away some possessions, and we'll see you right here next week. Amen. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know, we crucified him, buried him, but three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.